well, hello, and welcome back to Kindled. Today, I am bringing you a solo episode on the topic of how to talk to your kids about Pride Month. Uh, Now, Pride Month is, as we know, the month of June, uh, which celebrates gay pride and obviously has been expanded to include the ever-evolving acronym LGBTQIA+++++, all of those things. Um, And it is really ever-evolving, even according to their own community. Now, the reason I wanted to record this is because um, I personally am incredibly passionate about um, moms and dads normalizing, talking to their kids about cultural issues um, that are actually not just cultural issues, they're actually biblical matters, places where the culture is um, stepping in and saying, no, no, God's word is not the final authority here, man's word is. Um, this is obviously one of those areas. Um, the reason I'm passionate about parents speaking to their kids, really of all ages, about this issue is because if we don't start the conversation, someone else will. And I believe we need to be the ones leading the conversation with our children. Um, Not only because I, I think that we should lead the narrative, I think we should be the ones who define the terms, but we need our kids to know that we have, um, you know, not just we, but the Bible ultimately has answers for them, but that we even, we have answers for them. We can talk to them. We can be a safe place for them to ask questions. And so I know that this is a tough one because a lot of parents, um, me included, don't, they, they hesitate to introduce certain topics because they don't want to ruin their kids' innocence. And I completely understand and sympathize with this feeling. Um, I've had that feeling myself. I, I get it. And um, I think that I have some suggestions um, and tips, especially for you young parents, those with kids younger than mine, so eight and under, that, um, you know, I what I have done, I think that I have some suggestions that will help you have a meaningful conversation that does frame this for them, does give them definitions, does point them to scripture and build a foundation of biblical truth in their hearts and minds without necessarily, you know, quote unquote, ruining their innocence, if that makes sense. So um, that's what I want to do this this episode. Um, this is really going to be more kind of conversational. Um, this isn't meant to be comprehensive, as you know, you know, just for um, the sake of, of knowing where I'm coming from, I only have um, kids that go up to, you know, eight and a half years old. So I have an eight-year-old, six-year-old, and a three-and-a-half-year-old. And so um, I just, you know, obviously can only really speak to the ages that I have raised. I can't speak to those 12-year-olds or 13-year-olds or even teenagers, but I've also been that age, and I had parents who did um, do a pretty good job of of modeling this to me as well. So I think that I can speak to um, really a format that I use, my husband and I kind of follow loosely with our kids, and I think you'll be able to adapt that for really any age. So let's dive in. So back to uh, leading the narrative. I believe it is just so critical that we are the ones to frame this conversation for our kids. Uh, we need to provide them with definitions of what is a man, what is a woman, what is marriage, you know, what is gender. We, we need to 
provide them with that because not just because it's happening in culture, the conversation is taking place in culture and they will inevitably encounter it, whether it's accidentally on a show they're watching on Netflix or Disney or um, in a conversation with a little friend on the playground or at school or at church even, um, they are going to encounter it, unfortunately, sooner than most of us would like. They are going to see things out in the world and public that they have questions about. Um, kids are extremely, extremely observant. Anyone with a child knows they are so observant and they pick up on a lot more than we sometimes give them credit for and, and are, are even ready to discuss with them. Like they have questions about things they see. And, you know, sometimes I'm just like, oh my gosh, I wish they wouldn't have seen that because now I have to explain what that is or um, you know, whatever, whether it's even like a drunk person in public, like I've had to explain drunkenness to my children and I would rather have not had to do that, but they saw it, you know? And so, um, all of that to say that I, I believe it's really important that we lead the narrative with our kids and that we are framing it, giving them definitions. And so, um, I want to share how I approach this with my own kids. And it's helpful that I kind of have one in the three categories, um, that I'm going to, Three of the four categories, essentially, that I'm, I'm going to walk you through. So um, I shared a reel on Instagram about this that was just a really kind of high-level version of it. But essentially, the format that I follow with our kids involves um, four steps. And I would say this it, this can obviously apply to other conversations, really any, um, any conversation that you're trying to kind of apply biblical truth in the real world for them and help them think critically and and form a biblical worldview, meaning form how to think about the world in a way that aligns with scripture and is, you know, in, in line with that, submitted to that. So step one is you lay the foundation of biblical truth. Okay. Now these steps also correspond to ages and these are just going to be general age ranges okay they're not like hard and fast your kid may be different your kid may be advanced or even delayed in one of these areas that is okay you will recognize it when i describe it so in the age group three to five years old this is where you're laying the foundation of biblical truth okay so i have a three and a half year old i share with her fact-based information we're not you know we're not trying to do critical thinking questions like she's three. I have to tell her what everything is. She wants to know what what are things that she sees, how does it work, what is happening here. And so we're focused on fact-based truths. So things like God is the creator. God made everything. He made the earth. He made you and me. Who is in charge? God's in charge. He has authority. He is the boss. Um he made boys and girls. He made everyone. We are his creation. Who made you? God did. Um, what is marriage? Marriage is between a boy and a girl or a man and a woman. It's when they become one before God. A man and a woman can get married. Can a boy and a boy get married? No. Like this, I'm kind of mo modeling the role play here between me and my three and a half year old. Do girls marry girls? No. Who marries? Who can marry who? A boy and a girl. Okay, so those are the types of things that I'm sharing with her. Now, obviously, depending on your kid, maybe you would say your five-year-old is ready for more. Okay, that's great. But just generally three to five, that preschool age, you're laying foundation of biblical truth. In the age group of six to seven years old, 
you are reinforcing basic truths and applying them to the real world. So you're taking one step further. So you're taking that fact that God made men and women, and then you're saying, can a man become a woman? Can a woman become a man? So now we're starting to take a fact and ask questions about that fact in the real world. Like, how does this play out? Um, In light of the fact that God is the author of life, that he created all of us, he's the creator, he's um, the potter. He gets to make his clay what he decides to make it, and it can't make itself something else. Um, And then the next age group is 8 to 10. And again, this is just loose kind of for your own reference. I have an eight and a half year old, but she's very, very advanced for her age. So I would say she probably is more on par with like the average nine year old or nine and a half year old, even 10 year old. So I think that this gap, this range kind of fits. Um, I think this is an accurate range is what I'm saying. But that, that next step is advancing to abstract conversations about truth versus the lie. So This is where we're taking the fact that, you know, God created men and women and saying, um, does God, did God create any other categories of human being? No, he didn't. But there are actually people in the world who believe that. Is that true? Well, no. So what are they believing? Well, a lie. Exactly. And who does God lie? Can God lie? No, God can't tell a lie. So who is telling them that lie? Well, Satan. So obviously by eight to 10, your kid is going to be able to answer some of those questions. Like if you've, if you, presuming that you've laid that foundation from three to five of biblical truth, they understand all these facts and, and all the kind of characters in the story here, God, the devil, people, um, you know, humans, all of these, these different actors in a sense. Um, and then you have, reinforced those truths and started applying them to the real world and then now you're advancing to conversations about the truth versus the lie and they're starting to interact more with kind of this interplay between ideas like opposing ideas there's not just um there's not just the truth there's also the, there's also deception there's also the fact that people don't believe what we believe and you know for an 8 to 10 year old that's a very intriguing idea like my eight and a half year old is she loves to talk about like what people believe who don't believe the Bible's true. She likes to know. She likes me to, it's like, I'm filling her in on things that, you know, she, she obviously doesn't know. She, how else would she know? She doesn't have a phone or a computer. Like she really only knows what I tell her. And so, um, she's very intrigued by this whole conversation and enjoys when I, you know, kind of open up her horizons and her world to show her and share with her, what other people think and other people believe. And she's, you know, she loves learning about that. Um, and, and I, and I find that she's very, um, you know, she's a very black and white thinker. I think a lot of kids that age are, you know, there's not a lot of room for nuance, um, in their minds. Like things are kind of good or bad, dark or light, you know, um, right or wrong. And so I think that, this is an awesome age to start really driving home that there is only truth or error. There isn't like gray area, especially in this conversation when it comes to being on God's side or being on his enemy's side. Um, and talking about, you know, deep, the deeper reality that this is a spiritual battle that we are engaged in as Christians. This is not just about what you see around you 
and you know what we can observe with our eyes but there's also a spiritual reality taking place always in the world and so people who are deceived and believe these lies are actually um slaves to sin and they are under the power of the prince of darkness right and we are we are under the power and the authority of um of christ and while they live in his world and he is the ultimate authority of course over all creation he has given satan some amount of authority now to deceive people to lure them with lust of the flesh lust of the eyes boastful the boastful pride of life and so those are the types of conversations that you know you can have with an eight to ten year old kid um obviously keeping in mind your own child's you know capacity and readiness for that conversation um and then the fourth category i just kind of lumped in because i'm not there yet i'm sure some of these more advanced moms would would differ with me but I said that 11 plus, 11 and older, is the category where you would start having more critical thinking conversations and and asking that child, challenging them to think critically um, about the world around them, giving them, you know, different scenarios to think about and uh, just allowing them to apply what they know to the world around them and to what they can observe and to different scenarios or, um, you know, situations that you might bring up with them. So, um, this is going to be obviously 11 and older. You can, you can really be having intellectual conversations. It's not so much about the facts and the figures like that's all laid down. They know those, they know what the definitions are. They know what marriage is. They know what a man and a woman is. They know who God is. They know who has authority. They know whose word is, is final and ultimate. And then they're starting to interact with more questions about, so, uh, taking John fourteen fifteen for example, you might have a conversation like, you know, John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. So, you know, you might ask your kid, so do you think that it's possible for someone who says, you know, hey, I am a Christian. I love Jesus. I think he's great. Yeah, you know, I'm all on board with Jesus. I just, I don't think that we can tell people how to live their lives just based on the Bible. Like I'm all for Jesus. Cool. He's, he's great. We're good. Um, I love God. I just don't think that I have, uh, you know, either I have the authority or even the Bible has the authority to tell other people how to live their lives. Like your truth is your truth. My truth is, you know, we could start to have those types of conversations with them and go, what do you think about that? And they could really engage with that idea and they would be able to have a robust conversation around it because, they have that foundation built, right? So um, so that's a really exciting conversation to get to have with your child. And those of you who have kids that age know those are rich and robust conversations and they are, you know, long. They often happen at night. Like I remember going into my parents' ha- my parents' room at night and just talking about this stuff, whether it was, um, and not even just particularly this, this issue or subject, but, you know, these types of conversations uh, they, they come up a lot of, because of friends, you know, friendship challenges or, um, you know, this friend said something and I don't know if I agree or, or I know that I don't agree, but I don't know what I should have said. And um, this just th- those are great opportunities to really shape your kids thinking and influence them to truth and to, you know, knowing what the truth is, just pointing them to the word and letting them see for themselves that this isn't just you saying it it's god and it's it's good because he loves us 
I want to take a second to introduce you to a new sponsor of Kindled, and that is the Learning Well Journal. The Learning Well Journal covers all aspects of the homeschooler's life, home, homeschool, family, and faith. Get encouragement delivered straight to your home with Learning Well Journal, the quarterly print magazine that will equip and encourage your homeschool journey, the long days of motherhood, and your walk as a Christian homemaker. We know well that homeschooling does not just involve books. Homeschooling is a lifestyle. The pages of Learning Well Journal will enrich your homeschool, but they will also speak to all the areas of your life that make it so beautiful. Each issue is based around scripture and written from a Christian worldview and includes inspiration for meals and organization, ideas to create a home of peace and calm, and each issue is written in collaboration with parents with dozens of years of homeschooling experience, little ones through high school. To learn more and subscribe, visit alishahutchinson.com slash magazine. This uh, URL is linked in the show notes of this episode, but it is Alicia, A-L-I-C-I-A, Hutchinson, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-S-O-N dot com slash magazine. Use the code Kindled for $10 off an annual subscription when you order from the U.S. and Canada. That's Kindled for $10 off your subscription of Learning Well Journal. And so... Um, those are the four categories. And again, I will um, say those again, three to five, laying the foundation of biblical truth. So fact-based six to seven, reinforcing those truths, applying them to the real world, eight to 10, advancing to abstract concepts and conversations about truth versus error. And then 11 and older, um, really getting intellectual and engaging with critical thinking questions about, you know, their own worldview and, um, others in the world who, who don't, uh, don't adhere to, to a biblical worldview. So those are the four categories. And along with those kind of age groups, the structure that I follow when talking to my kids, this is what my reel was on, on Instagram. So you can see a very short version of it. If you just want the high points, Um, this is the format that I follow with my kids when I bring this conversation up. So number one, what does the Bible say? What is true? And you will see from this that these actually follow the age groups that I just broke down. So these are just kind of the, I'm, I'm following almost in a sense, the age group structure in the conversation. So once I say it, I think it'll make sense. Number one, what does the Bible say? What is true? Number two, what does it not say? What are lies? Number three, how or where do we see this in culture? And then number four, critical thinking questions. So those four steps really mirror the age groups that I gave you. Now, obviously, um, how you follow those four steps is going to vary based on your individual kid and their age. So for instance, with my three-year-old, I can't follow, I, I can't go all the way to number four because we're not doing critical thinking. We just stop at number one. What does the Bible say? What is true? So that's where I focus with the three-year-old, the conversations I have with her, um, the opportunities that I see to talk about, whether it be the rainbow or you know, creation or um, the garden, what happened with Adam and Eve, what is sin, what is disobedience? What does it mean to obey? Those are all fact-based, truth-oriented questions, right? So I have to stop at number one with her. Um, 
and you know, I could obviously throw in some lies there and, and try and teach her that, you know, and, um, and have some, some kind of light conversation around that, but she's three and a half. That's going to be harder for her. She's, you know, maybe not going to really grasp what that is. Um, she's starting to understand what lying is though, because she has lied. So, so that helps, you know, when they do something like that to obviously give it a definition, a label and say that is lying. And that is a sin. We do not lie because God tells us not to, you know, it's in the 10 commandments. So, um, again, uh, for example, with my older girls, I would follow this structure. I would start the conversation and I will share with you how I had this exact conversation with them just the other day. Uh, so I started it by saying, so you guys know pride month is coming up. It's the month of June. Have you guys heard about that? I was like, yeah, I've heard of it. I know what it is. And I said, okay, what is it? She was like, it's like when people celebrate being gay. I said, yes, that is, that's basically it. Um, and what is that? What does it mean to be gay? And she knew and said, um, you know, said, uh, when a man likes a man or wants to marry a man. Yep. That's yes, that is it. Um, I'm affirming she knows she has the definition correct and just communicating with her that these people who celebrate pride month are, it's a celebration of sin. It's a celebration of something that God says is not good for us. And it is walking in opposition to God. Um, and so the whole month of June, you guys are going to see, uh, a lot of rainbow stuff. Why the rainbow? You know, that's interesting because who made the rainbow? Well, God made the rainbow. Um, and so just talking them to them about how, but the, the gay pride rainbow is not the same as God's rainbow. It's a different one. And I described to them the difference. I explained how the gay pride rainbow has, uh, six colors instead of seven. And why is that relevant? So I told them that six is the number of man in scripture. And the Bible's rainbow has seven colors because a real rainbow has seven colors. It's not that scripture says the rainbow has seven colors. It's just that an actual rainbow does. Um, and that's the spectrum of light, you know, that we all learned in school, right? Roy G. Biv. There's seven colors in a rainbow. But the gay pride one has six. And so this is just one way that we can see that this community, this ideology, these teachings assert man's word over God's and basically say man's word is true. God's word is not. And that is essentially why the rainbow is used. It is taking something that God meant as a promise to not destroy the world again for its wickedness and evil and like laughing in his face and rubbing it in his face and just being disrespectful and gross and and wicked and they understood that like they got that conversation they can handle all of that you know six um well almost seven year old and eight and a half year old so after you've gone through number one what does the bible say what is true number two what does it not say what are lies uh three how and where do we see this in culture um and then that's where you, you're really able to talk about gay pride month and say you know we are going to see some rainbows here and there. If you guys see them, you know, you can point them out to me. We can be on the lookout. Um, we can talk about this. It doesn't, it's not a one-time conversation. This is an ongoing conversation. If you have questions, you can ask me about it and we can pray for people who are deceived by this, uh, this teaching and people who think that their way is better than God's and, 
who reject God's word and reject the Bible and say that, you know, no thanks, God. I don't want what you have. I want I want to do what I want. Like, I just want to pursue my own way. And that is sin. Um, and without Christ, you know, we would all we would all be exactly like that. And we were like that until he saved us. And so that is what, you know, again, this can always, these conversations can always lead to the gospel because, you know, but for the grace of God, there go I. And so you can always bring your kids back to what is our hope in life and death? Is it just being good and not being gay or not celebrating gay pride or being better than someone else? Is that our hope? No, because we are all sinners and all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short. And at this point, my eight and a half year old would chime in Romans 3, 23, because she knows that verse. And then we would talk about, you know, how God has saved us and, um, and be able to kind of, kind of come full circle to praising God for salvation. And, um, and again, coming back to what is true and what is good and beautiful and not necessarily centering the whole conversation on, um, homosexuality or gay pride, but rather oriented it around God and around his word and what is true and right and good. Um, and so that is what that conversation looks like for me, uh, with my girls, my older two, particularly, um, right now, that's, that's pretty much the conversation we had the other day. And, um, you know, every time we talk about it, we build, we're always building. I'm always adding, you know, things I'm sharing, maybe a new definition, or I am pointing to another way in, in the culture, in the world that we see, um, God's word being, you know, either distorted or, um, not obeyed, or we see the devil twisting his word. You know, we talk a lot about that. That's he's twisting what God said, like, just like in the garden. And, and we are always building on these ideas. And so, you know, that's another big one is that it's not just a one-time conversation. You have to kind of have open lines of, of communication all the time about this. And I think just practically some parents fear how to start this conversation. They feel awkward about it. And, you know, that makes me sad because, they're your kids and you, they need you. I mean, they need you to be the one leading that. And if you feel awkward, well, they're going to, they're going to read that and they're probably going to feel awkward too. Um, but I don't think you need to feel that way. Uh, I, I would, what I would do would be to say, Hey, so, you know, this, this is coming up. Um, I want to talk to you guys about, uh, pride month. It's coming up. It's next month. It's June. It's in a few days. Let's talk about it because you're going to notice some things and I want to, I want to help you understand what you're going to see. And obviously that tailor that for the edge of your kids, but, um, you don't have to give them. And I think you can see from the conversation that I just kind of walked through, you don't have to give your kids tons of details about the sin that you're discussing to help them understand the bigger concept of how man always thinks that he knows better than God without Christ. This is how darkened minds, this is how people without Jesus will default to. They will default. They will go to darkness, not light. They will tend towards, you know, um, wandering from God, not coming to him. You know, they, they need Jesus to save them. They need God's saving arm to grab them out of the pit because they're in the pit, you know, and we can see it. It's working itself out right before us. They are rejecting his word. They're living in opposition to him. Um, they obviously need to be saved. They need to be rescued. And so, you know, then we might even talk about some friends that we have that we know who are not Christians, not 
the adults, but even the kids. And, and they do have some friends that they, that they know who, you know, either we're not sure or we don't think that the kids believe, or maybe they come from a, a family that is not teaching them about the Bible and God and they don't know him. And so how can we, you know, this would be maybe a different conversation, but how can we be a light to them? How can we show them the love of God? How can we share truth with them and hope with them? Um, and I might give my kids ideas of ways to just be a light to those around them. Um, but again, you know, I, I just, I think that I know this isn't true for everyone and I know I have girls, so yes, it's maybe easier for me than, um, a boy mom or something. I know that, you know, every kid's different, but I do think our kids want to talk to us. I do think that they, they might not know how, if this is not something that you've made like a practice of having these deeper conversations, um, and you might have to just kind of build up and just start somewhere, start wherever you are. Um, if it's, this is not something you've done as a practice, then just start now, do the best you can with what you have. It doesn't have to be perfect. Something is better than nothing. Like having a five minute conversation, which is usually all this is like, it's not like we sit down and have a 45 minute talk every time. Like usually they're five minutes. It's just here and there. It's on a walk or it's in the car or it's, you know, as we're eating dinner or when we're cleaning up dinner or right after dinner and the family's hanging out. Um, sometimes after breakfast on the weekends, if we're having a slow Saturday morning, we're all kind of sitting in the living room, reading books, talking, um, you know, maybe we start having a conversation with the girls about something. Um, that's just, you know, some of the times that our family finds those conversations happening. And, um, you know, I don't schedule them. I don't plan them in. Maybe that would work for some of you better than it would me. I'm a little more, um, impulsive in that nature, but, um, you know, I, I think that you don't have to give them all of the explicit details and explain every single acronym of the LGBTQIA. I don't think you have to say what's, you know, bi, trans, asexual, intersex. I don't think at, you know, at these younger ages, six, eight, ten, I don't think they need all of that information. Now, you know, 11 plus, you probably will want to start explaining to them that there are these orientations that people believe they are, you know, um, they are two spirit or whatever. Like, I think that's a new one to me, but they believe that they have, you know, two different orientations and they can switch back and forth and they, you know, they don't, they don't believe what God's word says. They don't believe the Bible. They don't trust it. They are trusting themselves and their feelings. And that, you know, obviously is not, not what we should do. So, uh, so I think that you can expound on details as they get older, um, but you can still have a very like effective conversation about, again, what, what are we doing? We're drilling God's word into our kids at every opportunity. And, you know, frankly, Pride Month is obviously ce a celebration of wickedness and disobedience to God. And so that's terrible, but it's also a great opportunity for us as Christian parents to help our kids learn what it is to be set apart and to see, you know, just to see this as an opportunity to pour truth into them and build them up and make time for deeper conversations. I want to take a second to tell you about a new sponsor of Kindle, and that is DIY Family Films. My DIY Family Films method is an A to Z course on creating home movies with just your phone. 
I get it. You're probably thinking, I don't have a lot of time. I'm a parent. Or I've, I've seen amazing home videos, but could I really make that myself? I don't want to spend more time on my phone. But listen to me, you guys. I have taken this course and it is amazing. If you have watched people's beautifully curated family videos that they probably paid thousands of dollars for on Facebook and Instagram and thought, gosh, I just wish I could capture more of my family's moments and not have a camera roll full of 20,000 photos and videos that I don't know what to do with, hello, that's me, then you need this course. First off, this course is not expensive. It is $37. And with the link in my show notes, you can get an extra 15% off. So check this out. Scroll down to the show notes of this episode. Click the link to go visit DIYFamilyFilms.com and learn more about how to take what's on your camera roll and turn it into beautiful home movies that you will enjoy watching for years to come. This has become one of my favorite hobbies. I will look at everything now as an opportunity to kind of capture the moment and not just have a bunch of images or video of it, but rather to tell a story that I'll be able to put together into a very cute, um, memorable movie that my family can watch and enjoy for years to come. So I am so happy that I found and took this course and I'm now able to share it with you. Check it out. Scroll down to the show notes, click the link there and get inside the course today. I hope that so many parents with kids, my kids' ages are doing this right now, knowing that they are going to be growing up in a very, I mean, they already are growing up in a very different world than the one you and I did. Um, One where we can't just turn the TV on and trust that whatever they're going to see is okay. We can't just flip on Netflix or Disney and and assume it's kid-friendly content. Like we can't assume anything. Like literally everything is after our kids because again, this is a spiritual battle. And the devil does want to infiltrate our homes and their minds. And he does want to affect them from a young age. And so we have to be faithful in these small things and in these, um, you know, little ways to have these conversations just bit by bit and, um, you know, not kind of save it all for that, you know, that 13 year old trip maybe, or right before they enter middle school, like, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Um, so I got some questions on Instagram that I want to answer now that I've kind of walked through that. Um, Let's see. So how can I start with my three-year-old? I answered that one. I would just lay down those biblical truths like reading, um, you know, reading a child's version Bible with little Bible stories in them, like the beginner story Bible. I'll link that in show notes. Um, Just, you know, talking to them about... Uh, creation when you're out in it. Um, Who made the trees? Who made this? Who made that? Who's the boss? Who gets to say? You know, sometimes this happens during discipline, frankly, is when we're reiterating again things that we've talked about. Remember, who's in charge, Marigold? Who gets to decide what is right and wrong? Did you hit your sister? Is that kind? Is that loving? No. What is that? It is sin. Who are you disobeying? Mommy and daddy and God, you know, all of that. You're just, again, you're, you're, building that foundation. You are affirming what scripture teaches and what is true and right and good. Um, someone said, how do I know when do I preempt a combo or wait for them to ask? Um, a hundred percent, I would say preempt a conversation. Don't wait for them to ask. 
Now, if they happen to ask while you're out, then of course use that opportunity, but don't, don't wait for them to bring it up. Um, you need to be the one to bring it up and to lead that conversation. Uh, someone said, is it fine to just avoid explaining it if we can, as long as we can? What if they don't notice? And again, I would say it's not about, here's the difference in how I think about this versus, you know, how this question is posing it. I'm not saying the question asker is, believes this. I know she's just asking, but it's not about like just getting through the world. And it's not even about, um, well, when does my child have to know what gay pride month is? Like that isn't actually the question here. The, the greater question we should be asking is how soon and, and in what ways can I begin forming my child's worldview now? What can I do to help them think biblically? And how can I affirm and reaffirm and just re-say and communicate God's truth to them in every opportunity? What are all the ways I can do that? This is just one way. It's, it's not, you know, this isn't really about getting through June. It's, it's about helping your child think critically, think rightly, and think biblically. Um, and so I don't, I don't approach this as, uh, I just want to get through June and I hope they don't notice. I look at this as an actually a great opportunity to expose them in a limited way, according to what I know is right for them and with my definitions and, and really God's definitions to build truth into them in light of, you know, the fact that it's June and that it's going to be Pride Month and there's going to be rainbows and junk everywhere. I look at this as an opportunity, not something that I have to kind of get through. Um, and so I would just encourage you to think of it that way. Kids have their worldview formed mostly by the age of 10. They, their beliefs about the world are largely formed by the age of 10. So if you approach parenting from this perspective, and I'm not saying this person did that, but of this, of like, what can I not share with you and hope you don't notice? You are missing so many opportunities to shape them in that area. Like we need to be intentional. We need to step towards those opportunities, not shy away from them. And again, I think that I demonstrated in my like example conversation that that doesn't mean you are ruining their innocence. That doesn't mean you are going in a ton of detail. You don't have to be explicit. You don't have to talk about stuff people do in bedrooms. Like it's, it doesn't even have to go that specifically or specific. You can talk about this high level enough and get the core meat of the conversation in front of them. Like that you, you just can, it doesn't have to go super detailed. Okay, um, let's see. What do you do when a family member comes out to identify with the alphabet crowd? Um, now, obviously, that is a whole other podcast episode. But, um, you know, I would definitely say you, you need to talk to your kids about that, especially if that's a family member you're, you're seeing on a regular basis. Um, now, I do have an extended family member who I really never see um, who is trans. And um, I have shared that with my girls, just that's high level. That's pretty much all I've shared with them. But just that, you know, this person is a boy, but thinks they are a girl and wants to be a girl and has decided to try and live life that way, even though that's not who God made him to be. Um, and that's it. Like, that's what I, that's how I would ex explain that. Now, if it's, you know, 
a bigger conversation about how you interact with that person, what what you affirm, what you don't affirm, how you have them or their, you know, their partner or whatever over at a meal or this or that. Like that's probably outside the scope of this podcast because it's just a huge conversation um, and one that I wouldn't say I'm even an expert at by any means. Um, but I would absolutely say you have to have a conversation with them. Um, talk to them. Obviously, remind them that we love this person, but we because we love them, we can't agree that that's good for them because God says it isn't. So if we say it is, that's us saying that we are more loving than God and that we are more right and smarter than God, and we know that we're not. So um, let's see. When do we stop answering questions they have? Like if the answer is just not age appropriate. Um, yeah, then I would use wisdom and discernment there. If they are asking a question where the answer is not age appropriate, I would just, uh, you know, I would answer it in as vague of terms as you can. And again, like if it's this topic specifically, it always comes down to people don't want to obey God, right? People who aren't made new, who don't have new hearts and minds. They don't desire to obey God because they don't love him. But he loved us first by giving his life for us, right? And so once we recognize what Christ has done and we love him, we want to obey him. It's not that our obedience saves us. It's that we want to obey because we love him so much. And so um, the world who does not know that that good news, know the gospel, the unsaved person is not living a life loving God and wanting to obey him. And so, uh, you know, without knowing exactly what that question would be, that's I would just kind of take it to as vague of an answer as you can that would still be satisfactory, I guess. Um, another question, is it even necessary to talk about it with kids under 10? And I already kind of answered this, but yes, it is. It is <laughs> because again, the worldview is shaped by age 10. They largely know what they believe. Um, and so that's, you know, with or without your input, really, unfortunately. And so many parents are not having these conversations until some sort of like age that they think is appropriate but you've missed the most critical window if you wait till 11 12 13 you have missed it doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean you shouldn't still do it right if you have but you've really just rather missed the most um easy window to influence them to shape the way they think to give them you know definitions that that form how they think about everything they see and think around them, um, think about in the world. So I, yeah, I, I would absolutely, if you can, if your kids are younger than 10, start having it as soon as you can. Again, three years old. Um, once they have language, once they have language, they can. So really that's two. Uh, it's not to say you can't talk about what the Bible says with the two-year-old. I'm just, when it comes to this conversation, I just kind of started it three. Um, but yeah, you're telling a two-year-old the same things that you're telling a three-year-old just with more simple words, right? Because they've just learned to talk and, you know, they're still really kind of understanding what is the world? What is this place? <laughs> who am I? What are you? You know, how do, how do I live? How do I be a part of a family, right? All of these things. Okay, another question was, um, how do you explain that not all rainbow apparel is good? 
four-year-old. Uh, yeah, I would go back to that that conversation that I kind of shared at the beginning of the episode around the rainbow, um, the difference between God's rainbow and uh, the pride rainbow is that the pride rainbow has six colors. So we can tell when a rainbow only has six that it is not God's rainbow. And it is a, you know, it's a faker. You could even use that language. It's it's pretend. They're pretending. They're trying to lie to you. They're trying to sell you disobedience to God with the image imagery that God designed. Um, and so you could even kind of turn it into like a fun game. Like, let's count the colors. Let's see. Is this a rainbow that is God's rainbow or is this a fake one? Is this a masquerading rainbow, a pretend rainbow that is not, does not symbolize God's promise, but rather symbolizes man's disobedience? Um, and and I would maybe go that that route, but uh, yeah, that's tough. I know that's if you're not shopping at Target anymore, like I'm not, then that will be made significantly easier. Um, but I know other stores have it too, so I get that. And then at the same time, while I would definitely say all of that, I also want to be clear that. I'm not afraid of rainbows. I'm not just because the world distorts or corrupts it. I'm not afraid of it. I will take take the rainbow back in all ways that I can. But obviously we all know that there are there are really pride merchandise out there that have the six thing, the six colors and we're not going to go buy our kids a t-shirt that, you know, clearly is a pride <laughs> pride rainbow t-shirt, right? So I'm not afraid of rainbows that don't look that way or maybe have I my daughter has like a a purple rainbow shirt that is has like a four color rainbow that's just like pastel it's it's obviously not pride but it's not realistic it's like all these like pastel colors I'm not afraid of that it's a stylized rainbow you know any more than like a stylized cloud like a pink cloud like am I afraid of a pink cloud no it doesn't mean anything neither does the four color rainbow but the six color pride rainbow means something and so um I'm not fearful, but I'm also not going to buy my kid pride merchandise or let them wear like, you know, pride pants around the house or out of, out of the house, especially. Um, okay. Next one. Let's see. The last question is, uh, handling moments when they want to play with toys or clothes commonly used by the other sex. Um, you know, I guess it depends on like what exactly you mean, but a little girl playing with trucks or cars. I mean, that's normal. My girl's like that. Um, a boy being interested in, you know, ballet shoes or a tutu. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not afraid of a boy not being a girl because he wants to try on his sister's tutu or ballet shoes. I'm not afraid of that because we're not changing definitions. We're not changing genders because you want to try on a dress. However, I would say this is not this is not for boys. This is, I mean, I don't have a boy, so I don't exactly know how I'd handle it. But if I'm imagining if I did, I would say, you know, boys don't wear dresses. So I probably wouldn't let him put the dress on or the tutu on. But I would say, boys can dance. You can dance just the same way your sisters can, but you just do it differently. You don't need to wear a dress to dance. Let's see your moves. You know, I would always want to spin it positively, like help them understand that it's there. So often it's because they're lacking categories. They don't understand that, you know, if, if say they see their sister dancing and they think it's really pretty and cool and they want to do it, you can do it. You just don't have to wear that. Um, dancing is not, you know, limited to those who wear a tutu. It's girls dance with tutus or dresses on and boys can dance 
in their shorts and t-shirts. It's really cool. Let's see what you can do, you know? And so, um, I wouldn't be afraid of it, but I also wouldn't like enable it obviously. Um, and would just say, you know, these are things for girls and these are things for boys. And, um, so I would probably approach it that way and just kind of be light about it, not make it some big, heavy, you know, bad, they're in the wrong or anything like that. Um, but also, of course, keeping in mind that um, it's okay for boys to say like the color pink or be interested in um, dolls or Barbies. Um, do- again, it doesn't mean anything about their gender or sexuality. Like, of course, a toddler, we're not talking about sexuality for a four-year-old, but it doesn't change their gender because they're interested in those things. They are often curious. They have sisters. They see those things. Um I know little boys, a lot of moms buy their boys um, little dolls and they love to take care of them. And those little boys might be awesome dads someday. It's like, we don't need to be afraid of that. I don't think we need to be um, hyper, you know, weird about certain things um, as long as we're obviously just helping our boys understand that they are boys. They are different than girls and that's how God made them and it's good. And and just helping them kind of thrive and, and flourish in being a boy. So, um, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's all I have. Um, I hope that was helpful. This is something that I just, um, pray, pray that God is strengthening and enabling parents to have these tough conversations with their kids and, and to do so from a young age so that they are just so strong in the Lord and in their convictions of what is true, that they can stand firm in this present age of, um, evil and darkness that we, are clearly living in. And I pray that they would be salt and light in the world and and salt that preserves and light that shines. And, um, you know, I just know that, uh, there's so many awesome parents who are trying to do this well. And I hope that this episode has just encouraged you to maybe lean into those conversations a little harder than you have in the past. If you haven't, or to start them out of nowhere, if you haven't had a single one, that's okay. Just start where you are with what you have and know that God has perfectly chosen you to be the parent for your children and them to be yours. So it makes no mistakes. Um, You are right where you need to be and uh, you have what you need in Christ. So praying for you guys and have a great rest of your week.